Welcome to Heart of the City and part two of our mental health, me and the media. And yes, the me is Tova Sherman, your host of Heart of the City here at the Halifax Central Library. I wanted to continue our discussion on mental health and the media because I thought it was very important that we understand a little bit more of the details. Some people followed up and asked me to give some clarity on what is, what are you talking about when you say mental health, Tova, or mental illness? So I wanted to provide you the Canadian Mental Health Association um, definitions of uh, mental health, which is a state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her own abilities. They can cope with the normal stresses of life. They work productively and fruitfully and they're able to make a contribution to their community. Whereas according to the CMHA, mental illness is a recognized, medically diagnosable illness that results in the significant impairment of an individual's cognitive, affective, or relational abilities. I just like giving people definitions because I think it's important that we realize that these mental health disorders result from biological, developmental, and or psychosocial factors. The truth is we're not exactly sure. But what we do know is the majority can absolutely be managed using approaches comparable to those applied to physical disease. In other words, prevention, diagnosis, treatment, and rehab. Frankly, we don't appreciate the scope of the issue. After all, where do we learn about mental illness? And this is what I tell people. If truly we're, our predominant learning source is TV, we're going to have a problem, especially if you like law and order as much as I do, and little Timmy is always being um, kidnapped by somebody who escaped from Bellevue. If you haven't watched Law and Order, that may not make sense, but perhaps you should. The truth is, if that's our learning source, we have a problem. In my case, I learned about mental illness, frankly, in the schoolyard and in the family home, where it was treated as something you laughed at, pointed at, or frankly avoided. So when I developed mental illness, self-stigma was going to be a reality for me, as it is for most people who live with mental illness. But I wanted you to know that this is not the Tova party. This is not a small segment of our community, especially here in Nova Scotia. In fact, in Canada, depression is the number one leading cause of disability. And in fact, that number is consistent around the world. 8% of all workers in Canada are taking specifically medication to treat depression and other mental health conditions. Some people say, well, you better have the business argument. The business argument, if you mean dollars, let me give you one. Eight and a half billion dollars is the amount that employers and insurers are spending every year on strictly long-term disability claims related to mental illness. So we know this, and if you listen to our last podcast, you also know that more than one in four Canadians admit they are fearful of being around people who live with a mental illness. And that saddens me. And the truth is, as someone who lives with mental illness, who manages to do what I think are exciting things, and I actually am pretty happy most of the time, which is kind of good, I think, but at the same time, these statistics are terrifying. It means that we don't know. It doesn't mean that we know and we're afraid of Tova. It means that that boogeyman that mental illness is to us is the thing we fear. And the only way we can remove it is by reaching out to these learning sources. And again, every piece of research shows us that the majority of the population is learning about mental illness and what it is from the media. And that is why we're talking about mental health and mental illness in the context of the media today. So we're gonna be right back with my guest, Sheldon McLeod, for part two of Mental Health, Me and the Media. We'll be right back with Hot City.
Welcome back to Heart of the City. We had a very brief break there, but the best part is yet to come because I am welcoming back uh, Sheldon McLeod. First of all, we are talking about what, if any, responsibility the media has in, in perpetuating the destructive myths around mental health. And do we care enough? And does the media care enough to do anything about it, let alone the community as a whole? Certainly I care, and my guest does as well. This is Sheldon McLeod of The Sheldon McLeod Show. He's a great broadcaster from 95.7. He's straight up, he shoots from the hip, and that's probably good because I've got big hips too. So it's a good thing, Sheldon. You asked the question, can we talk about mental illness in the media? And I mean seriously. I remember when my mother had cancer and we would talk about it, and my stepfather finally came up to us and he said, could you stop talking about cancer? And for us, it was taking the power out of the word. And I wonder why the words around mental illness and those issues are so powerful and why and if the media is able to even bring those things up without all kinds of kickback and all kinds of issue. And if you did, Sheldon, if you really got talking about it, what would happen, or may I ask you, what does happen? Are people uncomfortable? People are uncomfortable. People, uh, whenever you talk about a subject that that carries so much weight for one and is so personal for another uh, there are there are times where it is I, I call it talk word uh, you know when you're on the talk show and there's that moment where you know you're going to an area where people just they're squirming in their seat a little bit and I call those talk word moments and I think it's important sometimes to rip the band-aid off and, and, and at other times show some sensitivity and, and and give people the, at least the opportunity to know that they're being heard. So you can talk about it. You can do it. So let me ask you this. If someone, has anyone ever called you up and said, I, I want to talk about how ill I am or that the community's not helping, and have you felt people are trying to shut you down around you? For instance, are, are media people generally uncomfortable with these kinds of uh, exposures? Because you have a talk radio show. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's always a certain amount of control, I guess, in who you speak to. But if you had an experience where someone really wanted to talk about that, and you maybe wanted to talk about it, but it wasn't necessarily permitted within the environment for whatever reason of acceptability? or Never had anything like that happen. But okay. I have had people contact me, and what I recognized was someone in a mental health crisis that what they needed was not to be on the radio talking about their mental health crisis. That was a decision that I had taken given the reaction, the conversation with this woman trying to point her in a direction to find the help that I felt she needed because she wanted on the radio because she said, I don't have any money for rent and I'm having tough times. Uh, do you want to buy my guitar? Uh, you know, this person I knew was having some very difficult times and she was quite upset with me that I said, I, I don't think this is going to help you and I don't I don't know that I can give you what you need right now um, and she hung up and she was not happy but though that's that's where it gets uncomfortable in a very personal one-to-one -one level and and to put that woman in a position where she's vulnerable and on the radio I don't think would do a whole lot to illustrate what she was really struggling right, with. Right, so for you, there was a responsibility at that moment to, in a sense, protect that citizen who maybe wasn't in a place that she should be exposed on public radio and possibly be ridiculed or misunderstood in terms of what the messaging is around mental illness. Mm -hmm, and absolutely. I appreciate that. But what about the other way? Is there, a, is there an opening? Is there the freedom to talk about those uncomfortable things, you know, around generally? I mean, again, I'm asking you to sort of speak beyond your, your purveyance, perhaps in the sense mm -hmm. of, Mr. Media, you've just become Mr. Media to me. But just generally for conversation purposes, do you see a certain stigma around the discussion of mental illness in a more healthy environment or people just don't want to go there? 
I see uh, young reporters who have many different stories to cover who don't have a full grasp of what it is that they're talking about. And it's sometimes you can describe what you see, but you don't understand what you see. And that's where I think some of the misinformation happens and that it becomes so often young journalists are asked to be experts on so many different topics that they're given enough time to do the story, but not enough time to truly understand how to perhaps explain it in a, in a more detailed way. And when you're talking about the stigma to, to, mental, to mental health, mental, il mental illness, um, it's, it's nuanced. As, as the example I get, had given, very possible someone might have picked up this woman's story and what would the narrative be? That she can't find help, that she's not able to access services, maybe she's not sick enough for the system that we have to give her the treatment she needs. So uh, th there are times, there are opportunities, I think, for, for all media to, to tell the stories of the people close to them. I think that's where we'll find the breakthrough is that... Now, ironically, I think if she had 50 cats in her house, that story would get on the media like crazy. Do you and see what I mean? It's yeah, just no, like, absolutely. It's, it's these strange little twists that push things forward, but wouldn't it be wonderful if we had the comfort level, much like we had to break with cancer? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I said again, the last taboo, I think, is the discussion around mental illness. And I'm always fascinated by it because people are so surprised that the brain ages just like every other organ. Mm -hmm. And I always say, it's an organ. It might be a complex one, but it's going to age and it's going to have issues. And we ourselves are all going to be exposed to this whole experience of people who were mentally well and perhaps are no longer and this putting them in the corner or this desire to not hear about it or this crossing the street mm. metaphorically is something that goes on and goes on and I wonder what if anything um, folks in the media but also folks like myself who are advocates within the community could be doing to better create a dialogue that's healthy rather than sensational and terrified or let's how dare you talk about my sibling mm -hmm. that's what I've noticed when I told my sister I was going on a show I went on that Canada's smartest person yeah. clearly I wasn't um, but I was on that show and um, one of the things that I explained was I'm here because I live with mental illness and I want people to know those of us living on the ADHD spectrum mm -hmm. and with mental illness are pretty smart too or certainly could be if they hadn't have asked me to memorize <laughs> and uh, for me, my sister got on the phone with me and went, you're not saying that on TV. And I'm like, well, totally. That's the whole point of being there is to say this to people. And everyone in my family called me and asked me not to do it. And I think they're a pretty progressive group. Mm -hmm. But I have to be honest with you, I was shocked. My own family got very uptight about the idea that I should self-identify and how that might ruin me in the community. Any thoughts on that? Immediately I go to... Other than my family's a little <laughs> stigmatized. <laughs> So, so sorry to hear about your experience on television. Uh, immediately, my head goes to a conversation I had with uh, Leah Parsons, Retea Parsons' mother, and there was there, there's pushback for her story, and we all have a, a real understanding, I think, now as to to what this young woman, uh, Retea, was going through. Uh, and and at one point, Leah Parsons, you know, often in the media here, oh, do, do you have closure? This this woman's young daughter took her own life. She died by depression because people wouldn't believe her story. And I came to the realization through that in the conversation with Adam Baldwin, the singer-songwriter here in Halifax, is that when you can get to a point where you have the opposite of closure, and, and for Leah Parsons it was, if I want to talk about my daughter and what she went through, I'm going to. If you're uncomfortable with that, you need to own that. And that's when, you know. Here in the heart of the city and being a Halley guy like me, I wanted to ask you, where's your favorite place for coffee? 
Well, if you ask me where my usual place for coffee, it's in the car on the drive. But uh, you have a coffee maker in your car, Sheldon? No, 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 no. Oh, just checking. No, uh, that would be cool though. Yeah, maybe um, we'll get you one for Christmas. In the kitchen. In, in the, the kitchen. kitchen looking so at out home. the window. At home, absolutely. At home. Yeah. And it's not because you're cheap. It's because you make great coffee? Uh, and I'm cheap, yeah. Oh, you're cheap. What's yeah. your What's your uh, favorite uh, bean? Or is it the on-sale bean, as I, I like to call it? It, it doesn't matter. I'm, doesn't I'm matter. Not, no, it you just, are not one of those guys. Just black coffee. That's just Black coffee. Just Don't stuff. put any cream in Sheldon's <laughs> coffee. Well, if you can get in his house, that is. What about <laughs> brush with greatness? I say this a lot because I've had some really wonderful abstract experiences bumping into incredible people and I always mm. want to ask did you ever have a brush with greatness and that's your definition of greatness might be a hockey hero mine it was Duke Ellington oh, I hate wow. to age myself but there it was yeah. and I wondered if you had a little brush with greatness story my, my head is spinning uh, uh, you know lucky enough to have an opportunity to talk to Chris Hadfield on the show this week and Sweet. very warm wonderful human very smart and intelligent man who's Written a children's book. Brush with greatness. I was in, uh, had a chance to go to Washington, D.C. once, and we were doing the, the circuit, going to the museum, spending all that time. And as I'm, we're in, in Dulles Airport, there comes, it, you go through all the security, you see the numbers of people that are there, and former Prime Minister Paul Martin is schlepping his own bag through the airport. And I just had to go up and say. I have to tell you, speaking of airports, I have to do this to you. Yeah. But I was in an airport, dropped my luggage, and Hulk Hogan picked it up and put it back <laughs> on my luggage cart and kept walking. Okay, you and went. I looked up, but I kept looking. And up and up and up. But uh, airports can be very yeah, exciting. absolutely. So yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. Now, our third question is, what is your dream job? And perhaps it's what you do right now, and you may have to say plan B. But what would your dream job be? Here's what's ironic is that I was brought back to the station that I'm at now. Uh, with the full intention of trying out talk show host while Rick Howe was on vacation in the summer. So I was told, you, you get to fill in for him. And I thought, well, if I like it, great. If I don't, so what? It's only two weeks. Uh, but I, at the time, was, I'd also been a, accepted into a culinary school. I was thinking about changing careers. You don't intimidate me. I know about your culinary <laughs> experience. That's really neat, though. I have no idea. Yeah. And and then, of course, the talk show. I on a, on a Thursday, I was asked, do you want your own show? Yep, you start Tuesday. That's how quickly it happened. Well, that's fantastic. And I'm really glad it is what you do because it shows. Thank There's you. a certain uh, glow. It could be just your lovely head but there's a certain <laughs> glow about you and I think it's fantastic what do you love about Hallie I mean we all love lots of things but when you think about Halifax what really is that thing that you love creating a truly inclusive workplace is a more realistic goal than most people realize at DAT we help empower our clients to transform their organization into a safe positive and efficient environment for everyone involved our wide range of experts enable us to create a multi-platform approach from live learning to webinars custom-produced training videos to one-on-one. -on -one. DAT will tailor a training system that works best for you. Visit reachability.org to find out how DAT can empower your... He's been uh, an administrator as well, with um, formerly with the South Shore uh, District Health Authority. But he's come up with a very interesting way of dealing with the mental health and addiction system by asking one simple question. How would you want your mother, your sister, your cousin treated if they were looking for services. And the book that he's written uh, is just, it's so simple, but it's not easy. And, and I'm hoping that uh, people will recognize that he's really trying to change the system to work better. It's not about more money. It's not about more resources. It's about making, uh, giving people the opportunity to be treated before they're 
sick enough to be treated by the system that's now. We call place. that preventative approach. Well, there's something to be said for that. <laughs> no, that's great. And, and we, we hope we're going to get Todd on the show yeah. as well. But that, that's the It's Not About Us by Todd Leader. Yes, the secret to transforming the mental health and addiction system in Canada. Well, I'm first of all grateful you're reading such an important book and that you brought it along for all of us as well. I want to thank you so much, Sheldon McLeod. Um, I hope that uh, anytime you need someone to, you know, kick open a door for you, I'm right there next to you and I wear big shoes. So thank you again for joining us on Heart of the City because you're certainly one of those people that I think is the essence of the heart of this city. So thank you for joining us well, here. thank you, Tova. And have a great week, everybody. When we come back, we're going to uh, visit with our library friends and find out more about some of this week's books and other stories from the Halifax Central Library, the heart of our city. We'll be right back. And welcome back. As always, at the end of our episode, we have some guest, uh, a guest from either the library or maybe a friend of the library to talk a little bit about how the subject of the day ties into what they do. And when we talk about mental health in the media, there's so many ways we can go, certainly around mental wellness. And I wanted to bring in some different ideas and some diverse folks to talk about mental wellness and how we can support it in our community through some diverse actions, not just as it relates to the media. And my guest right now is Mark Grant, who's from Therapeutic Paws of Canada. He's a team leader and a really interesting gentleman and someone who's going to help me understand better in the context of mental wellness how Therapeutic Paws of Canada can help everybody. And certainly I should say before you start going, Mark, because I'm letting you run, that Therapeutic Paws of Canada helps people with all kinds of disabilities and barriers, and I've seen it. But because today I want to focus on mental health, I know that uh, Mark's going to humor me here. So welcome, Mark. Thanks very much. Pleasure to be here. So Mark, tell me really quite simply a little bit about Therapeutic Paws of Canada, what, it, what you're trying to accomplish in the broader sense, and maybe to bring it back a little bit to some of the things you do to support people living with mental illness. Sure. A Therapeutic Paws of Canada is a non-profit organization right across the country. Uh, what we do, uh, we have therapy dogs. It's a therapy dog team. Actually, it's a handler and a, and a dog. And we're into hospitals and nursing homes and libraries and schools and a whole bunch of different uh, facilities. And what we do is we offer this service at, at no cost to help folks uh, calm if you will. I watched some of the folks here earlier today. Calm down a bit. and uh, You're referring to me, aren't you there? Yeah, I, I am. It's okay. If you we, can if say we had, If we had a therapy... <laughs> it's not the a, first time, Mark. If we had a therapy dog right here now, everybody would just say, gee, this is great. It's it's lovely to be here. And uh, they would We'd all be more dog. relaxed, Mark. But that's correct. I'll be I love more relaxed. that. So tell me a little bit about in Halifax, because here we are in the most beautiful building in the city, talking about Halicentric things. Tell me how you're able to support the community in Halifax in various ways, and then maybe we can zone in on some. Sure. Uh, in, in Halifax, we're, we're in, as I said a moment ago, in libraries. We have teams that visit mental hospitals. We provide uh, teams to uh, help uh, folks in different uh, situations that aren't comfortable uh, around dogs for one and it's just uncomfortable in the general public and uh, we bring those teams in uh, the team all these teams are certified by the organization I'm an evaluator so I go through extensive training you just don't show up and say okay I've got my rent in 10 well tell me what does an evaluator do let's so understand better well as an evaluator my role is there's there's a um, 
a test, if you will, and a series of uh, questions that uh, I provide to you as, as a potential candidate. And uh, so what you would do is you would contact me as the evaluator and say, I'm interested, I've got my rent in 10 and wants to be a therapy dog. How do I go about that? Oh, so you're at both sides of this. I'm I at love both sides. that. I, uh, I understand. I tell people, here's, here's the questionnaire. Uh, so I do the, the pre-screen, if you will. Uh, once we go through the pre-screen, then there's an actual physical evaluation where we bring these dogs in, we put them through a set of exercises, and then myself, along with my couple of my co-team leaders and some of my senior people, we determine that, hey, this team has what it takes to be a certified therapy dog team. Now, I've seen you bring, actually, your dogs into my office, and everything stops, and everyone goes running for the dogs. Is that okay? Oh, the, the, these dogs, again, are owner-handled. So they've gone through that evaluation process. They're bomb-proof. Uh, many people that know me have heard that term many times I over. love it. Uh, they, my breed is St. Bernard's. I've had many, and, and you know, you have a big, big dog that y you see a little child or someone our age come up and all of a sudden put their arms around it, and you're saying, holy smokes, what are we doing here? But all these dogs are, are again, certified by myself in, in the Halifax organization. So how do we reach therapeutic paws because we want everyone listening to this podcast who thinks either they might like to have their animal involved or perhaps know someone who could really benefit from the support that therapeutic paws gives what should they do the, the, the best thing is to go to our website which is www.tpoc.ca on the website you'll just look on the website and you'll find different things if you look down under team leaders you'll find my name my couple my co-team leaders names our contact information is there. Contact us. It's that simple. I love it. So what we really want to do is let everyone know there's a lot of things going on within our community in Halifax that do support mental wellness. And one of those great examples is right in front of us. That's Mark Grant of Therapeutic Paws of Canada. And I encourage you all to check out his website at www.tpoc.ca. I want to thank you for popping in, Mark, because I think it's such a great example of one of the ways our city comes together to support people in all their needs. And, of course, I'm a lover of dogs, although St. Bernard's, good God, man. But um, I'm so grateful you're here, and I hope that everyone listening today will check out TPOC because you're doing some great work and, once again, not charging us. So we appreciate that one. Our pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. All the best. So for Heart of the City for this episode, normally we would head right to our library, but since this is a double episode, we're going to be talking about our reading list and having a chat with our good friend Heather at the end of the um, next episode, which would be part two of Men to help me in the media. So for today, for Heart of the City, we thank you so much for being part of this broadcast and look forward to you being part of our next broadcast as well. All the best. This is Tova Sherman signing off. Mental health. She packed her bags last night after a fight. I ain't never asked and I never seen her again. And then I get depressed and I ain't feeling right. Like, anxiety's no joke, my friend, but we're all alone, getting stoned when we're feeling zoned and there's no one home, feet sweat and against your chest, trying to catch your breath, trying not to make a mess, mental health just ain't the best, you get no rest. Pop's brain is going, and it's nearly gone. Heard his back, all the pills he's on, his mind is wrong. Friends calling to work sick because they're scared of people. This stuff is evil and their lives ain't peaceful. So they resort to the needle. Wait, wait. It's something you're born with, I swear. Science may say something else. I just don't care. This shit ain't rare. Ripping out my head. It's got me running scared. Trying to put a strong face on for the family. 
Not the man they know at home, but the man they said was wrong. The man who clutched a bong. Despite my illnesses, I've become better. I never regret it, and I always remember times we spent together, me and the bottle, my old friend. I've wished the last three years would just pretend, but even then I think again I need this pen. It's how I cope, where I find hope. We all deal in our own ways. Self-medicate for days and get some rays. That sun can change we all those shitty our days own ways. into memories. That's all we got. Self-medicate for days and get some rays. That sun can not. change those shitty we can days into memories. That's all we got. Overcome all the stereotypes. Believe in them, but not forget we can it. Not. Live our lives. It gets we can better. overcome it really our mental does. struggles. Never underestimate the stereotypes. Believe in them, not we can live our lives. It gets better. It really does. Never underestimate the power of love or prescription drugs.